Well, good morning. We're so thankful that you're here, whether you're here in person or online. We're so thankful that you've chosen to worship uh, our Savior with us, and we're looking forward to a wonderful time in God's Word today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number 9. Mark chapter number 9. How many of you are extroverts? How many of you are, you're a people person? You like being around people, you can't get enough of people. There's a few of us in here. How many of you say, I'm an introvert, I, I'm, not, uh, I don't, I'm not a big people person, I'm an introvert, go ahead and let me see you. Uh, some of you are struggling to raise your hand, you're like, I'm, I'm, so introvert. I'm such an introvert, I don't want to raise my hand right now. Uh, Adrian and I, we were talking about this this morning. Uh, we just can't get enough of people. So uh, obviously with the coronavirus, that's just, uh, that's killing me, but... One of the things that I've had the joy of doing, something that Adrian and I've had the joy of doing, is setting some people up on their first date. Uh, so uh, some of you are in here, and we've set you up on your first date. I claim Jaden over here and Sarah in the back. I claim their first date, setting them up. So Adrian and I are two for two on setting people in our in our own estimation on setting people up together, and we uh, we love that. For the past several weeks, we've been going through a sermon series called Fake Jesus. We have been debunking myths about who Jesus is, and we've been looking into his word, and we're seeing, we've been seeing uh, who is Jesus, who is he as we find him in his word, and we've been debunking myths about him, and today I am really excited uh, as we finish our sermon series because today I want to introduce you. Today I want to set you up uh, with the greatest Savior, the most wonderful Lord, our great God, the Lord Jesus. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 9, and today we're going to be talking about meeting the real Jesus. Today we're going to see the real Jesus. A lot of people have misconceptions, but we are going to see a full and complete glimpse of Jesus. You know, we believe that Jesus is Emmanuel. That means God with us. God who lived in eternity past, uh, who created the world. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was anything, not anything made that was made. But Jesus, who is God, became a man. Uh, he humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, Philippians 2 tells us, and He became a man. So, the disciples and the people that we've been studying, the, the time frame that we've been looking at, everyone sees Jesus as Jesus, the man. But here in Mark chapter 9, three disciples are going to see Jesus as who he is, fully God and fully man. So let's look at Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 2. Mark chapter 9 and verse number 2, as we, continue our, as we continue through the gospel of Mark. The Bible says, and after six days... Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into an high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining exceeding white as snow so as no fuller on earth can white them. That means bleach. So uh, I think that Mark had maybe a problem with uh, some dry cleaners. Uh, he's saying, hey, listen, his clothes were so white. Hey, there's no cleaner. Uh, there's no dry cleaners that can bleach them to make it any more white than it already is. Uh, so he was transfigured before them. In verse number four, it says, And there appeared unto them Elias, or Elijah, with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, 
when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll we'll look at this subject, meeting the real Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we do love you, and we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that we do not deserve. We've come this morning to worship you, uh, to sing songs of praise to you, for you are worthy. And Lord, I pray that as we look into your word, I ask that you would help us to see you for who you are. Uh, You are our great God. Lord, I pray that we would uh, humble our hearts before you. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, and I ask that you bless every single person who's in here this morning. I pray that you give them exactly what they need. I pray that you'd encourage their hearts. I pray that you'd challenge us. I ask that you'd be with me now as I preach and teach your word. I ask that you'd fill me with your spirit. Help me to say only what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. That's my baby in there. Wrecking havoc. My wife, Adriana, she is from Canada. And we, uh, I guess eight years ago now, we met uh, while we were in college in California. And when we met, we, uh, we dated, we got, we, got, we got married in Canada, and then I moved her down here to Texas. And when we moved down here, one of the first things that Adriana discovered, one of the first things that, one of the first places that we went was Whataburger. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that, or so I think. Uh, so I took her to Whataburger, and I remember whenever we went and we sat down to eat, I had been living here for a few months, and we got our burgers, we ordered, and, and let me just help you with something. If you've never experienced the sweet and spicy bacon burger, do yourself a favor, and at lunch today, get yourself a sweet and spicy bacon burger. It doesn't get better, any better than that. Uh, sweet and spicy bacon burger, no mustard, and glory will come into your soul uh, if you get that sweet and spicy bacon burger. So I sat down, I got my meal, I loved it. And Adriana, she ordered her meal and she got her burger and I remember she ate it and I was excited. Like I was, I was on the edge of my seat. I was ready to see how much will Adriana love this burger. And much to my surprise, she was not impressed. She was like, ah, this burger is okay, but you know, I'm, it's okay. I'm not, it's not just, I don't think it's amazing. And I was ready to fall out of my seat uh, because she didn't, she wasn't a huge fan. Well, after we had been married for a little while, I started, to, I started to put on weight. We were talking about that a little bit before the service today. I started growing. I started growing. I stopped growing up. I started growing around. And uh, the more that I was eating Whataburger, the more that that was happening. So I decided that I needed to eat less. So we went to Whataburger and Adriana talked me into getting her burger, which was uh, a small single patty burger. And I got it. And I remember I ate it. And whenever I ate it, I discovered a profound truth uh, that a double meat Whataburger is is a completely different thing than a single patty Whataburger. Uh, A single patty Whataburger, and that's average. You get to double meat, a double meat Whataburger, uh, then it's just, it, it, it is something else. And here's, I'm going to explain it to you scientifically. Are you ready for the science? There is something about the meat to bun ratio. There's something about that meat to bun ratio that just, it changes, it will change your life. So I told Adriana, I said, I know what your problem is. And she looked at me like, uh, I, I, did, I put my foot in my mouth. I know what your problem is. But I said, you've been ordering the single patty Whataburger. You got to get a double meat. 
And she said, David, I can't, I can't, why would I order a double meat Whataburger? I can't even finish a single patty Whataburger. And I said, dear, it's not about the size of the burger. It's about the taste of the burger. That meat to bun ratio, you got to try it. And she said no for a little while. Well, then we got pregnant with our first baby, Julianne. And whenever we had our first baby, Julianne, she was more hungry. And I, in a moment of weakness, I talked her into getting a double meat Whataburger. And let me tell you something. Whenever she put her mouth, whenever she took a bite of that double meat Whataburger, her eyes started sparkling like they did uh, whenever I proposed. It was amazing. Uh, she was in love with that burger. And it was just incredible. Once you discover something that is so much better, you can never really settle for anything less, can you? Uh, she, once she tried that double meat water burger, she has never gone back to a single patty. She, not anywhere does she order a single patty water, single patty burger. Uh, she gets a double meat wherever she goes because it tastes so much better. And once you try something that's so much greater, you can't settle for anything that is less than. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. The judgments of the Lord are right, right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than much fine gold. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And today, friend, I want to introduce you to the real Jesus. There are a lot of uh, places out there. There are a lot of opinions out there about who Jesus is. And today what I want you to see is that Jesus is greater than anything than you and I can imagine. And when you meet him and when you know who he is and once you've experienced and tasted of his goodness, you can never settle for anything less. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus has been teaching or I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. You remember we talked a couple of weeks ago. He said, hey, who do, who's everyone saying that I am? Who, who does everyone think that I am? And they said, Jesus, some say that you're, you're a prophet. Some say, are saying that you're Elijah or you're John the Baptist or some other prophet. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Lord, you're, you are the Christ. You are, you are the son of God. And Jesus said, you're exactly right. Blessed. He said, blessed are you because God has revealed this to you. Jesus has been revealing himself to, for who he is. And here in Mark chapter 9, Jesus goes on a field trip, if you will, with three of his disciples. Not the 12, not a larger group of followers. He takes three men with him up into a mountain where they're going to see Jesus in a way that they have never seen him before. And my hope today is that we will see, that we will be reminded of who Jesus is and grow to love him more as a result of what we see in his word today. The first uh, the first facet that we want to see about who Jesus is, is that Jesus is a gracious friend. Jesus is a gracious friend. Look with me in verse number two. It says, after six days, Jesus takes with him Peter and James and John and leads, up, leads them up into a mountain apart by themselves. Now, I do want to pause for just a moment and say that this same account we also see in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. I studied all of them in getting ready for this message. So if I say, some, if I say something that you don't see in this text, chances are it's in Matthew, and Luke, Matthew or Luke. If I say something and it's not in any of them, then we've got problems. Uh, so, but we're going to look at Mark, but I'm going to share with you some, some truths from all of them. In Luke, it says that Jesus takes them up into a mountain to spend time with them to pray. So he takes them up into a mountain to pray. And we see that Jesus is a gracious friend. And you say, Pastor David, why, what is it about this text that we see that Jesus is a gracious friend? Well, I want you to notice who he takes with him. Notice who he takes, who, who he takes with him. 
he takes three men, Peter and James and John. Peter and James and John, they were recognized, they were known as the disciples that were closest to Jesus. A lot of people would say that. A lot of people would say, hey, there, it did, you didn't get closer to Jesus than Peter, James, and John. So maybe, maybe the reason why Jesus took Peter, James, and John is because they were the most spiritual disciples. Maybe they were, maybe they were the most holy disciples or the most righteous disciples. They were the disciples with the best character or something like that. But you know, I've, I've studied, I've studied and I've looked at these men's lives and I can't figure out how they're better than anybody else. For example, I'm going to tell you a couple of events that, that the Bible tells us about Peter, James, and John. All right, let's talk about James and John first. James and John were known as the sons of Zebedee. They had a nickname called the sons of thunder. All right, that was their nickname, the sons of thunder. So chances are these guys were, these guys were big. These guys were uh, guys who would be very tough. These are guys who would be very loud. These are guys who would be very intimidating. Uh, chances are, that I don't know how, you else, how else you get a nickname like sons of thunder uh, than to be big, intimidating figures. But the Bible tells us that on one account, that those two men, James and John, they want to be Jesus's right and left-hand man. They believe that Jesus, uh, he is establishing his kingdom. He's going to rule and reign, which by the way, he is ruling and reigning. He will rule and reign forever. And they said, Jesus, we know that you're going to rule and reign. You are uh, the king. And when you rule, we want to be with you. We want to be uh, the number two and the number three guy. Here's the problem. They don't go to Jesus and tell Jesus that. The Bible tells us that they, uh, I would, the only way that I can imagine is that they got nervous because the Bible tells us that their mom goes and talks to Jesus. They wanted to have, they wanted to be in charge. They wanted to be the most valuable. So they get their mom to go talk to Jesus. To, hey, hey mom, can you, hey, we really, uh, we don't, we want to be above Peter and we want to tell, we want to tell Matthew what to do. So mom, can you go ask Jesus if we can, if we can be in charge with him? So, so James and John, uh, the, sons of, the sons of thunder, those big, uh, those big intimidating figures, they're too scared to go talk to Jesus themselves. They have to get their mom to go do it for them. That doesn't sound like, sound like leadership material, does it? Let's talk about Peter for a minute. Peter, and uh, we're going to see this really throughout the Gospel of Mark, but Peter always had a way of just putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, he, was always, he was always losing his temper. He was always saying stuff that was, that was just really, really dumb. For example, you remember in the last couple of weeks, we saw how Peter very wisely said, Jesus, you are God. And then Jesus, who is God, told them, hey, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to be buried and I'm going to rise again. And Peter goes, now, Jesus, we're not going to let that happen to you. Uh, Jesus, you're not, you're not allowed to go die on the cross. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. All right, he's going, to say some, he's going to say something that's actually pretty stupid in this passage today. And, and throughout Scripture, we constantly see Peter saying things that are, Peter, what are you thinking uh, throughout all of the Gospels? So you look at these men and you see Peter, who's always putting his foot in his mouth. James and John, who are the sons of thunder, who were too wimpy, who were too, who were too scared to even go approach Jesus and ask him their question. And yet Jesus is picking these three men to take, him on a, to take them on a trip into a mountain. Here's the truth that we learn from this. Jesus did not take them because they were good. Jesus took them up into a mountain to see him for who he was because he is good. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are saved. We can have a relationship with God, not because of our goodness, not because of our righteousness. If you are counting on, hey, my good works should outweigh my bad works in order for me to have a relationship with God, in order for me to be able to go to heaven, in order for me to live with God forever. If you're counting on your good works to forgive your sin, uh, to have a relationship with God, you are counting on the wrong thing because we can't be good enough. We can look at Peter and James and John and say, hey, these were respectable guys, but the fact is, is they continued time and time and time again to mess up, and they didn't get this honor to be with Jesus because of their goodness, but because of his goodness. And what we need to remember today is that we are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved because of our works. We're saved because we put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross when he died and was buried and when he, was, and when he rose again to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. And that's what Jesus does here. He he invites these flawed men into uh, an experience with himself. And when he takes them up there, I notice that it is, he's inviting them. He's a gracious friend because he invites them. In, he invites unworthy sinners. We see that he's a gracious friend because he invites them to a relationship. A lot of people have an idea about, about church and about, uh, about the Christian life and about uh, walking with God that it is, it is all about, hey, I got to get all of my, I got to check my boxes. Uh, I got to do a lot of, I got to do a lot of things in order to make God more happy with me. And the fact is, is that God loves you. God cares for you. And just like my child, like my child can upset me. My child can, uh, my child can uh, aggravate me or displease me. But the fact is, is I can never love my child any less uh, than I do right now. Uh, I love them with, with all of my heart. And the fact is, is that God loves his children with all of his heart. And he invites them into a relationship. And Luke, it tells us that he invited them to pray. He invited them to pray, to walk with him. And my friend, what I want to share with you today is that you have the same opportunity. We're unworthy sinners, every single one of us in the room and online. We're all unworthy sinners, but Jesus invites us to a relationship with himself to walk with him. He invites them to pray. And my friend, what I want to share with you this morning, here's, an, here's a good action step for all of us to grow in our love for Jesus is to continue growing and studying his word, to continue, to continue in prayer, to learn to walk with him. And by the way, here's a great opportunity to do that. Uh, on Thursdays, we meet together and we just uh, around, uh, we sit in, in a, like a round table and we sit and we walk and talk through the word of God together and we grow and we learn what God is saying to us. Those are opportunities to grow. If you have an interest and you say, Pastor David, I want to learn and I want to grow in my walk with Jesus, but I'm not really sure how to do that. Go to the newlife.church and fill out a connection card and say, I want to grow on the connection card and we'll contact you and we'll help you. We'll connect with you and help you grow. So we see that Jesus invites him into a relationship. He's a gracious friend. But the next truth that we see in this passage is that Jesus is our glorious God. Jesus is our glorious God. In verse number three, it says, and his raiment, he took them up, sorry, the end of verse two, it says he was transfigured before them and his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. So as no fuller bleach on earth can white them. So here we see they go up into a mountain and Jesus, they've always just seen him. The Bible says in Isaiah that, that he wouldn't even be recognizable as anything special. Uh, he was just, he would have looked, Jesus would have looked walking on this earth, performing miracles. Jesus would have just looked like an average, ordinary man. Yet here, when Jesus takes them up into a mountain, it says that he is transfigured. The word transfigured comes from the same word that we get the word metamorphosis from. 
So, for example, whenever a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, there is a transformation. It goes from, uh, you know, this ugly little worm into a, uh, most of the time, I guess, a beautiful butterfly. And Jesus, it says he is transfigured. That is the same word for metamorphosis. And Jesus is transfigured to where it says that he is shining in glory. He is glowing and he is glorying. We see this described in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So what would this have looked like? And, and for me, I'm, I'm a very imaginative person. I'm a person who tries to imagine what would that look like for Jesus to be on the mountain, glowing and in glory. And the fact is, is that no human language can adequately describe, no mind can comprehend the glory of our God. But some of the words in this passage, some of the words in this text help us understand a little bit. Uh, between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it describes his face, and the word that it used for how his face shined was the same language for the way the sun shines. Have you ever looked into the sun, tried to, tried to look directly into the sun, and then it just, it just, your eyes start like seeing dots everywhere, and it's just very overwhelming when you look right into the sun. It's overwhelming to your eyes. The same way that Jesus' face shined would have been is the same language that we use for looking into the sun. All right, so his face is shining beyond uh, our ability for their ability to look upon him. Uh, We see his clothes are described, the way his clothes looked. And Mark describes it uh, like like bleach, like you can't even get, you can't even imagine how how bleached, how white, how shining his clothes were. Uh, I believe it's in Mark whenever it describes his clothes, the way the language that it uses is the same language for the way that a diamond, whenever you look into a diamond and it's, the sun is reflecting off of it and you look and you see all the facets of a diamond, that's the way Jesus' clothes look. That's the closest that we can get in our imagination. It's like looking into the sun. It's like looking into a, a precious diamond that is, that is reflecting the light. And that is what the disciples were seeing in the Lord Jesus. And my friend, what I want to remind you is that Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a teacher. He is the eternal son of God. In Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was was God. All things were made by him. The same Jesus that they were looking at is the same Jesus that spoke the universe into existence. It's the same, it's the same God who formed man out of the dust of the ground. That is who they are seeing. He's our glorious God. Something that's amazing whenever we look and whenever we consider his glory is as next it says, there appeared unto him Elias and Moses, Elijah and Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Luke, it says, they were talking about what Jesus was going to accomplish through his death and through his resurrection. Here's what that conversation would have sounded like. It would have sounded like Moses and Elijah saying to Jesus, Jesus, we know that you're about to die on the cross. Thank you. Thank you for dying for us. And in Luke, it tells us that, 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 that Moses and Elijah, that they, they also appeared in glory. So here's the idea. Because they were with Jesus, it changed and it transformed them. It teaches us a powerful truth that someday, because for those of us who know Jesus, someday we'll get to spend eternity with God forever. And the Bible says that we will have glorified bodies. Our, our bodies, our lives will be completely transformed, are being transformed by Jesus. He is our glorious God. And finally, the, the third truth that we want to see in this, in this text is that Jesus is our victorious Savior. He is our victorious Savior. Let's continue reading in verse number four. It says, There appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. 
Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say. Or Luke says, hey, he didn't even know what he was saying. For they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. So we see Jesus is there in his glory, and all of a sudden, two figures from the Old Testament, people who had lived uh, 1,500 years before, who had lived hundreds of years before Moses and Elias, Moses and Elijah, they show up, and they're also in glory. And it's really interesting because whenever Peter sees, whenever Peter sees Jesus, and whenever he sees Moses and Elijah, he's like, hey, this is pretty cool. Hey, let's, let's build some tabernacles. Let's build, let's build some tents. Let's, let's hang out here for a while and we'll build one for Jesus and we'll build one for Moses and we'll build one for Elijah and all three of you can just uh, be together. So it's really interesting what we see and the best that I understand it is that Peter is really trying to put uh, all three of these men on a level playing field. He's trying to put them all on the, on the same level. But the truth of the matter is, is that they're not on the same level. Moses was, uh, he was the lawgiver. The Bible says that the law came by Moses. Moses was the lawgiver. He was respected uh, in Israel. They looked at him as one of, their, one of their patriarchs, one of their father figures. And they looked at him uh, with great respect and with great reverence and they, almost to a level of worship. Then there was Elijah. Elijah was known as the prophet of prophets. Every, whenever you spoke of the prophets, they always referred to it as, hey, he's coming in the spirit of Elijah. For them, it didn't get any better. It didn't get any greater than Elijah. And we see whenever Moses and Elijah show up, Peter's like, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's, let's build a tabernacle. Let's build a tent. Let's all hang out. And we're going to put them all on the same, same level to the best that I can understand this. And what we see is really, really interesting because as soon as Peter says this, as soon as Peter says, hey, let's build something for all of them, they're suddenly overwhelmed by a cloud. And the cloud comes in glory, and the Bible tells us that it's, it's God the Father. And he speaks out and he says, this is my beloved son, hear him. You know what he's saying? If I could, if I could translate it in my, my, own, my own translation, he would be saying, hey, Peter, Shut up and listen to Jesus. Just listen. This is my son. Hey, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to say, hey, this is awesome. Let's look at Moses and hey, let's look at Elijah. And then God the Father shows up and he goes, no, this is my son. This is the one that you are supposed to worship. This is the one that you're supposed to look to. He is greater than all. Moses can't compare to Jesus. And Elijah can't compare to Jesus. Uh, the, the, he's saying, hey, Jesus is greater than them all. And the fact is, is that that is completely, completely true. He is greater than all. Consider this with me for just a moment. Moses, uh, if you're familiar with Moses' life, you can read about him uh, in the book of Exodus. and uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you can read a little bit about him through all of those, but primarily in Exodus. Moses was the one who delivered Israel from slavery. He delivered them from slavery after they were in slavery for 400 years. He takes them through a wilderness, and he's on his way to what they called the promised land, a place, a special place that God had promised to Israel uh, that they were supposed to go. It was a wonderful place, and Moses was leading them there. But because of Moses' sin, because of, because of some sinful choices that Moses made, God said, Moses, you are not allowed to go into that promised land. 
all right? Uh, he took Moses up into a mountain. He said, you can look at the promised land, but you can't go into the promised land. Yet, here we are in Mark chapter 9, in a place called Mount Hermon, in the promised land. Moses, who because of his own sinfulness, he couldn't get to the promised land. Yet because of what Jesus was doing, because Jesus had come to earth, because Jesus was going to die on the cross, here we find Moses in the promised land with Jesus. Consider Elijah with me. Elijah, one of the things that whenever I think about Elijah, I think about a time in Elijah's life where he just, he cried out to God and he said, God, I'm the only person here. I'm the only person who's serving you. I'm the only person who's faithful to you. And really, he got really depressed and he even got suicidal because he was all alone or so he felt. Yet here he is in the presence of Jesus. He's in the presence uh, of other believers, of other saints. And here he is with them. And it's not because of his goodness. It's because of Jesus and because of what Jesus was going to accomplish on the cross. So when Moses, is, when Moses and Elijah are talking about his coming death, they're saying, thank you. Moses is saying, hey, listen, I get, to, I get to live in glory with God because of what you're going to do. And Elijah's saying, Jesus, I'm not alone. I have a relationship because of what you are doing, because of your death on the cross. And the truth of the matter is, is Moses couldn't do that for himself. Elijah couldn't do that for himself. I can't do that for myself. You can't do that for yourself. None of us in our own goodness can have a relationship with God, but because of what Jesus was going to do on the cross, because Jesus who knew no sin became sin for us, because he died on the cross for your sin, to pay for my sin. And because he was buried and rose again, you and I, just like Moses, just like Elijah, just like Peter, just like James, just like John, we can have a relationship with God and he'll transform our lives. He'll give us a home in heaven and we can be forever with the Lord because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Some of the most profound moments of my life has happened on three occasions. March 13th, 2016, March 13th, 2018, and May 13th, 2020. On March 13, 2016, Juliana Lena Cripps was born. They lifted her up. They said, it's a girl, and I became a dad for the first time. Two years later to the day, March 13, 2018, they held up my second baby girl, Brooklyn Avery Cripps, and for a second time, I was a dad. And then, just two months ago, on May 13th, Witten, Witten David, was born. And my life was completely changed again. And I'll never forget the moment whenever they lifted out my child and I looked into my child's eyes and it changed me when I met them. And my friend, I would, I would never want to go back to not having my children. And I would say this to you. Jesus is a gracious friend who in grace loves you who in grace is pursuing you and in grace is drawing you to himself. Jesus is our glorious God. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Nothing can compare to him. And Jesus is our victorious savior because he died on the cross, because he paid for our sin. We can have a relationship with God. My friend, if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, you can do that today, not because of your goodness, but because of his. Not because you've done good things, but because he died on the cross to pay for our sins. 
And if you don't know Jesus, I would love the opportunity to introduce you to him. It doesn't get any better than that. For those of us who know Jesus as our Savior, sometimes it's easy for our love to grow cold. Sometimes it's easy to forget about who he is. But when we remember who he is and his love for us, it stirs up the affections of our heart to love him more. So today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, I'd like the opportunity for you to do that. So we're going to have a moment of privacy just for everyone. So if you would all bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're, if you're online, if you, just, uh, if you just look at me in the privacy of your own home or wherever you're watching from, and you say, David, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I've been relying on my own goodness, or I've been relying on something else. But I've never put my trust in Jesus and Jesus only to forgive my sin. And I would like to do that today. I would like to do that today. I'd like to put my faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says, if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again, and if you'll confess that with your mouth, if you'll make the decision to put your trust in him and him alone to save you, then you can be saved. So I'm gonna pray a prayer, and I'd like for you to pray with me if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior. If you'd like to pray and you mean this from your heart, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross, that you were buried, and that you rose again to pay for my sins. And Jesus, I put my trust in you, not in my own goodness, not in my works, not in my religion, but I put my trust in Jesus to forgive my sin and to give me a relationship with God. Jesus, please be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, then you just became, the Bible says, a child of God, and we want to celebrate that with you. Please let us know at the newlife.church on the connection card. There's a little box that says, I prayed that prayer. Please fill that out, or please let us know in person. We're going to close with a word of prayer, and for those of you online, we're going to dismiss you. Thank you for joining us today. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for that you're our gracious friend, that you are our glorious God, that you are our loving, victorious Savior. And Lord, I pray for those who may have trusted you as their Savior right now. I ask that you'd help them to grow in that relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you would be with, be with all of us who do know you as Savior. May we grow in our love for you. May we love Jesus and love like Jesus more because of what we've learned and experienced. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're going to take a moment. If you'd like to just uh, take a moment in your seat just to pray, I'll give you just a moment to reflect on the message, to reflect on his goodness, and we'll close again for us in the room.